I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on Overcoming Addiction. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lisa Evers. And you can catch up on all of our Street Soldiers episodes, both Hot 97 Radio and Fox 5 TV, free of charge on my website, lisaevers.com. Now, in this episode, we're focusing on the drug epidemic. Drugs are flooding into our streets and communities across the United States at an unprecedented rate according to the Drug Enforcement Agency, the DEA, even more than at the height of the crack epidemic back in the day. Law enforcement says and admits they just can't keep up with it. Last year in the United States, more people died from drug overdoses than gun violence, car accidents, and acts of terror combined. And we've just learned from the New York City Health Department that in 2017, one New Yorker died every six hours from a drug overdose. Just mm. tragic. In the hip-hop community, the apparent drug overdose death of artist Mac Miller made the crisis painfully real to millions of music fans who had no idea that that was going on or how deep it went. This crisis is affecting and devastating so many people, their families, their communities, and even the next generation. So the question we're asking is, can you really overcome addiction? Is there such a thing as a safe way to use drugs? That's a big topic of debate now, especially with the rise of the deadly synthetic drug fentanyl, which is involved in more than half of the overdose cases, according to health authorities and officials around the country. Let's find out what our panel has to say. Joining me is Terrell Jones. He's the co-chair of the Peer Network New York. His organization provides support to current and former drug users in a variety Variety of ways. We're going to find out all about that. Terrell, great to have you with us. Thank you. Also joining us is Dr. Arabia Millette. She's an emergency room physician in Brooklyn. She deals with many drug overdose cases and sees exactly what is happening on the streets. Dr. Millette, great to have you with Thank us. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Thank you so much. Also with us is Tony Sunshine. He's an artist. He is three years sober and he's also working on new music. Tony, great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Dr. Millette, tell us what you're seeing in the emergency rooms. So in the emergency room, I mean, well, emergency medicine is a specialty that is comprised of diff other different specialties, whether it's cardiac to respiratory to trauma. Um, but over since July 2016 to September 2017, the number of ED visits, and when I say ED, emergency department uh, visits, has increased to about 30% due to opiate overdoses. And that's what I'm seeing every day, every hour. Um, starting from school-aged children to elderly as well. So when you say school-aged children, how young are we talking? 10 years old, 11 years old, 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds. I mean, it's, 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 it's sad, it's disheartening. Um, at the same time, it makes my job a lot difficult because, you know, you have the families that are involved and they may not understand what's going on or didn't know that their child are abusing opiates in the streets. And um, the number of deaths has, I mean, it's astronomical. And even yesterday, um, I think the amount of patients that it came in that came to our emergency department was so, due to opioid overdose was so overwhelming to the point where that I had to take a break and leave out the emergency room to actually pray 
and and really get my thoughts together how I'm going to be able to take care of this patient that is slowly was deteriorating right in front because of me. Because it was mm. so intense and so sad. Yeah. That's got to be so heartbreaking. Yeah, definitely. And then you have the parents or, you know, family members that thinking that or believing that you're not doing anything to help these people, but you really are trying to do the best you can to save their lives. And sometimes they there are some that survive and there are some that unfortunately have to make the announcement. It's so sad to me. Just yeah. so, so, so sad. Terrell, you work with, uh, you, you, you work with educating people about bringing people back, basically giving them the naloxone and helping them when they do overdose and you, you carry, you don't leave home without the kit. That's right. And tell it, tell us Bless. what that's like, what that, what is that like for you when you come upon somebody on the street who's clearly or obviously suffering from an overdose? It's traumatizing. Because if you would come to the microphone, It's please. very traumatizing because at that moment, this individual's life is in your hands. So the quicker you administer naloxone, your rest of breathing, to bring this individual back, it's very important because once the individual start losing air to their brains, anything can happen. The person may not survive. Yep. Um, as being boosted on the ground that we're in this fight every day, like I said, I don't want to leave my home without this kid. You have the Bronx the highest rate of overdoses, Monhaven, Marsenia, King Bridge, Hunts Point, there has been a 41% increase in overdose deaths in those neighborhoods. Yep. Mm. Right, and it's, 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 been, it's totally an epidemic. We've been reporting on it extensively on Fox 5 and, yes. and doing a lot of shows here on Street Soldiers. On Tony, help us understand. Let's go back before the overdose, when it's fun, when people are right. out, when people are doing drugs, when people start doing drugs, because there's a certain backlash against substance abusers, which I'm noticing on social media. When right. we even talk about the show, they're like, oh, let them overdose. Yep. One right. less junkie Not to deal today. with on the street. But I look at it like this is a human being. How can people be talking? about that but help us understand how does the addiction process happen because you know there's a lot of artists that are on lean there's a lot of artists that are taking pills there's a lot of artists that maybe with the heroin that's out there now with the fentanyl snort snorting it a little bit taking that little straw and and putting it up their nose like cocaine what do you, help us well, understand think, that think, like how did I you think, get caught up i think for me for me personally and i think is the case with a, with, with a lot of our youth is my first um choice of drug was validation, seeking validation. So being around all the wrong people opens doors for certain things. Um, after seeking validation, then curiosity sets in. You understand? You allow yourself to um, do certain things that you were taught not to do. But I think that the problem begins now that prescription drugs replaced Illegal drugs. It's so easy to get your hands on prescription drugs these days. And doctors are filling out these prescriptions at an all-time high. These kids are not just doing heroin and, 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 and um, you know, things like that. They're, they're doing fentanyl. They're doing Xanax. They're doing Percocets. They're doing all these things that you can get from the doctor. You need well, a prescription. You can get, and they crack, there have been a lot of laws and changes and crackdowns on that. But let me right. just come back to your story, though. How did you know when you had a problem? Because you, you've been very open on Instagram talking about three years, you know, three years sober. How did you know that you had a problem? Um, man, I just had to look in the mirror. <laughs> I just had to look in the mirror at myself and say, you know, you have, you have a real problem. You have a real problem. And it's something that you have to do for yourself. Um, I tried to get myself together quite a few times. I went to different rehabs, detoxes. They didn't seem to work for me. Um, prison, 
None of those things worked for me. It had to be up to me. Uh, I made an attempt one last time to get myself together. I went up to this rehab. A situation occurred in the rehab where there was like a little racial riot between the Dominicans and the Puerto Ricans. And I just lost my mind. Like, is this really happening in a rehab center? Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, the state troopers had to get involved. They, they placed us around the basketball court like if we was in the yard. Know. Like know. it was yep. in the in the yeah. in the prison like, yard. Yeah, like if we well, was let's, in the let's talk yard. about that in a minute. In a minute, but let me just come back to the, the availability of the drugs, Doctor Moore. Right. There's been a lot of changes though in terms of the, the the prescriptions and how easy it is and the accountability, a lot more accountability, for a lot of doctors. The people that that are coming and the youth, especially that are coming into your ER, what drugs? cause their overdose? So I just, before I answer that, it's definitely opiates. Opiates, whether it be from morphine to dilaudid to Percocets, mainly Percocets. Um, but I want to I address what uh, Tony just said about the prescriptions. So first and foremost, fentanyl can be found in the streets. You don't have to have a prescription to, um, to abuse fentanyl. There right. are black markets for Percocets. There are black markets for, obviously, for morphine. When you take heroin, heroin, when it, once you ingest heroin, whether it's by snorting to injecting um, or smoking it, it actually converts to morphine. And so to understand the whole, um, the, to understand the opiate addiction or the opiate crisis, you have to understand the physiological and the psychological effects that comes with these drugs. All right, the long-term effects is depression, anxiety, antisocial personality disorder. Mm -hmm. From the physical aspect of things, which I see, actually I see both of them, is the lung infections, um, people who are developing pneumonias, um, tuberculosis is on the rise because opiates can cause respiratory depressions. Abscesses, what we call in the hood, boils because the skin popping. Um, people come in with all types of, uh, their nasal passages are destroyed because now it's, um, at what we say perforated, actually making holes into your, no, uh, in your no, nasal passages mm. as well. Um, I mean, even infections in the heart. Coma, death, you name it, is, is, is really evident and prevalent when it comes down to opiate drug abuse. And so with going back to prescriptions, um, what a lot of people don't know is that as an ER doctor, I've worked in, uh, you know, worked in places where hospital surveys are encouraging the overprescription of drugs. Of, pre of prescribing opiates. Right, and there's that whole issue also with big pharma oh, no. pushing right. these and incentives. Yeah. Let's take a, on that note, let's come yeah. back to that point, but we need to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yeah, this your boy, Rolling Stone P. And make sure y'all check out the Street Soldiers with the beautiful Lisa Evers. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about overcoming addiction with Terrell Jones. He's the co-chair of the Peer Network of New York. They provide support to current and former drug users. Terrell, great to have you with us on the show. We appreciate it. Also with us is Dr. Arabia Millette. She's an emergency room physician in Brooklyn. She deals with, among many other emergencies, drug overdose cases. Dr. Millette, great to have you Thank with you. us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also with us is Tony Sunshine. Yes, that Tony Sunshine artist. He is three years sober, and he is working on new music. Tony, great to have you with us. Thank, Thank you. you so, so much. Thank you. Um, Terrell, what is the main reason? Because this is a question that, that's come up on every social media posting mm -hmm. every that I have put out on this topic. What makes people do drugs in the first place? Yes, there's, you know, experimentation. Yes, people want to get high. There's that phase in life, you know, as a, as a teen or young person where you, you really want to try every different thing. But what, what do you think it's the difference between those that just try it and don't get addicted and those who try it and it takes over their life? 
So I'm going to speak on my personal experience with me being a former user. Um, I like the way it made me feel. Mm. If that euphoric feeling just made me feel good. But also you got to look at individuals that have been stigmatized, traumatized, why they use drugs, individuals that are suffering from mental ill conditions. There's so many various reasons why people are using, and this comes down to that particular person, why they're using. It has to be Everybody's that person. Different. You cannot generalize everyone. Right. This has to be something that you address with this person here, yep. what's going on with them. You know what Tony, what, what about what Terrell said, that you, it just, it feel, I mean, that's kind of what the message that doesn't get out too, is that the fact is that it, drugs it, do it, make the, people feel better. The, the fact is that it does. It, it makes you feel like you're on top of the world for the moment, till it doesn't, till you start becoming dependent, till it starts yep. dragging you down, till it starts affecting your personal life, your work ethic. But then also, again, like Tony stated that, for some people, it becomes problematic. Right. And it became problematic with me when, you know, health started declining, going to prison, being mm -hmm. homeless, recognizing that fact that, yo, I need to do something about this. And this is why we do the education with individuals in the street about, is your drug use problematic to you? You're the only one that can make that decision. But if you're in the That's street and you're, if you're in the street and you're doing drugs, isn't that a problem already? It is. Why? Well, people say that. I'm just asking. Okay, I'm not, yeah, right. not this, no see, judgment, just a question. See, that's the thing, right? It's judgment. And people need to stop judging people when it comes to drug use because if I'm homeless and I'm comfortable being out there, who are you to judge me about what I do? I do agree with you to the extent, but when it becomes a problem, when I'm seeing young, young people, especially kids, teenagers, people, grandmothers that are overdosing, mm -hmm. um, it, it is a problem. It is a problem whether they do it in the streets or at home. I think that, you know, my friend asked me the other day, she said, what can we do to help this crisis? And I said, you know, she said, you know, we need more education. You know, we need to start educating people. Trauma is real. Right. Emotional pain is real. It is. Physical Definitely. pain is Definitely. real. Definitely. And the way how our culture has become in the United States is like a quick fix culture Damn. where that people are popping pills, because they, it, it helps them, or they leave to for help everything. them to, for right. everything, right? To help take them. a pill and, and you I feel think, better. Exactly, and that's not and that's not always the case. And I think that that's if what we, we believe in the beginning, we believe that right. it's solving our issues. Let me take this pill, and I'm gonna forget, right? And everything is gonna be okay tomorrow, right? Well, and I tomorrow think tomorrow you're gonna need two, and the next day you're gonna need, need three. three, and after yep. that you're gonna need four. And after that, the snowball effect comes, and after that, your, your, your downfall is immense. And this is why I think that, you know, I personally believe that it's not, I think that with, the, with everything that's going on as far as educating people and getting out into the communities, I don't think it should just start with the adults. It has to start with children that are experiencing trauma at the age of five years old or even younger. The mental health. The, the, mental, the mental health, health issues. Aspect. And especially so under, make, make especially better in underserved in life. Right. And especially mm -hmm. in underserved right. or economically right. challenged communities. Exactly. But let me ask you, Tony, what was the hardest thing? Did you have multiple times of trying rehab and then failing you've been clean for three years which is fantastic thank you and congratulations on thank that you. but help help us understand so you take one pill you're there you know you, you take you take more pills to get that same feeling now you're doing was were there certain what was the craziest that it got for you or that where you were just my like snowball effect my snowball effect was 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 crazy because um i'm an extremist by nature you know, so if I'm gonna be fly, I'm gonna be fly. If I'm gonna get high, I'm gonna get high. Mm -hmm. If we hang, if we if we if we fight, and we whatever it is, I do, I do. So you know, once I discovered something that made me feel great, I wanted more. 
Exactly. And when that didn't work, I moved on to the next. And when that didn't work, I moved on to the next. And now I became a junkhead. You know, which when you was, say that, help us. What are you talking about exactly? Well, you know the feeling, just feeling, just just feeling good and high, and feeling like 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 your problems are over. Were and you were you doing heroin? Were you doing coke? Were, were you doing what were you, you doing? You name it. You name it. I was a whatever kind of guy. It helps you to escape. I I come from a family that suffered from drug abuse. I still have family members that still abuse drugs to this day. Um, I had several family members that overdosed on heroin back in the day, actually in front of me, and they survived. They're still living to this day. Um, But it's that euphoric feeling that from what my family members have um, told me and uh, and listening to you is that feeling of escaping escaping from reality. And whatever it is that you're going through, in reality, you, you abusing that or using that particular drug, even with alcohol, even with benzo. I mean, oh, with, a lot of, with a lot, with of, a lot things. of different things. Like trauma, dealing you. with yeah. dealing with with like personal issues and, and and problems. You know, growing right. up, I came from a home where I seen my mother get physically abused for like ten years till I was old enough to finally do something about it. I've been around drug addiction and alcoholism my whole life shelter systems, you know, I've been homeless. So, you know, just trying to deal with those things itself. So I sat down with a counselor one time at a rehab I was at, and he told me that my problems began way before I even picked up a substance. Yep. That's and that's the same thing. I had. Like I said, I never abused drugs, but I grew up in. You never in nothing. Sense, honey. You num- I grew up in the shelters. Grew up in the projects. I grew right. up around addiction, domestic violence, physical violence. I mean, everything happened in that house. And look at where you outside. are. And look at where you are now. Medical doctor and help saving lives. Thank which is, you. Which is but, amazing. Which shows it can be done. But let me just interject right, right there because I know some of our viewers right. and listeners are thinking, you went through all that, right? And. You're not. Look at where you are now. Right. You're an emergency room physician. You're saving people's lives. You went through the most destabilizing type of, uh, of environment. My son was but murdered. But you're not. Your God son bless. was murdered. My son was murdered. Oh One my of my God. sisters was murdered. Bless. So everything that Tony is saying, I've I pretty much been there. The only difference is that I did not abuse drugs. And part of the reason why. why? I what, didn't, but, but help us understand why. I because went to counseling. I had to go through years of therapy. Right. And that's what helped me to avoid mm-hmm. abusing drugs because I've, I, my, you know, again, growing up in a household where family members are abusing drugs and then you're going through domestic violence. And then I became a teen mom at the age of 16, giving birth to my child to actually losing my child to homicide. And then lo- later on, losing my losing one of my sisters to, to gunshots. Oh I mean, my sorry, God, excuse me, I'm to so gun sorry. violence. That's... All of that could have driven me to... Uh, any one of those things and I don't judge people I, and I really you don't judge people I, we all do let me not even over exaggerate because no, we, we all, all have we all days. judge but, but because it, the average person goes okay well if you went through all that and look at how you turn out why can't somebody else do it and ba- maybe the short answer because I want to come back to these yeah. what these things do to the body right. that is so powerful yep. and so unprecedented is you know maybe it's, it's that piece is that mental health piece is that self-awareness piece is that drive right. and is that decision so no judgment here we're just trying to understand right now and and get a picture but what is it Terrell about the what is the grip that it has on your body when you're when when you you want it you you need to get it you is it truly what they say you're always chasing that first high that's what it is yes it is I mean that that euphoric feeling is something that is hard to describe because Mm -hmm. it's different in every person Mm -hmm. and going back to like trauma issues that you're dealing with at that moment all this is just out of your mind you're just feeling the supreme feeling that you have and you know what i'm saying and like i said um 
reason why it took me so long to like really get myself together, besides all that, that was the thing behind me being a drug user. How people looked at me, the landscape of how people that use drugs, how they're being treated, you know what I'm saying, through this, America, this system that we have in America that people that use drugs are looked down upon. So this, like, really at the moment stopped me from seeking help because even in my community, I was outcasted. People were looking, looking well, that's at because you. our communities have been ignored. Bam. Right, and we're going to talk. Let's we're going to mm-hmm. talk about yeah. that as well. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Salute. This is General Steele from Smith and Wesson, and right now you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're focusing on overcoming addiction. There is a drug epidemic going on. Here in New York City, a person dies once every six hours from a drug overdose. Drug overdose deaths kill more people in the United States than car accidents, gun violence, and terror attacks combined. So that's why we're talking about this to raise awareness and get a better understanding of what's going on. We have a great panel with us. Joining me is Terrell Jones. He's the co-chair of the Peer Network of New York. They provide support to current and former drug users. Terrell, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. We appreciate it. Also with us is Dr. Arabia Millette. She's an emergency room physician in Brooklyn. She deals with many life-saving emergencies, including drug overdose cases. Dr. Millette, thank you so much for being with us. Peace and blessings. Peace. Peace. We appreciate it. Also <laughs> with us is uh, Tony Sunshine. He's an artist. Hey. Just just celebrated his three years sober anniversary. Bless. And he's also working on new music. So Tony, thank you so much thank for being you. with thank us. Thank you for having me, Dr. Mullat. We've heard this number that when it comes to overcoming opioid addiction, there is an eighty percent failure rate. Does that sound about right to you? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. It it overcoming addiction doesn't happen overnight. Again, I've never been addicted to drugs, but because I grew up in, in a household where my family members were addicted, um, it took them years to get themselves together or to become rehabilitated. Um, the problem is now um, that we don't have enough or functional rehab programs, long-term rehab programs that used to exist back in the day. A number of my family members, were sa- their lives were saved because of Phoenix, rehab, uh, Phoenix House Academy, which they had a huge um, campus grounds in Shrub Oak, New York, and that was upstate. So a lot of people from the Bronx and from Harlem, from Brooklyn, actually got themselves in that rehab program and went upstate to be away from the community until they got themselves together for a number of years and then came back and got reinstated into the community. That particular rehab program in upstate New York no longer exists. New York State has sold the campus oh, grounds. Oh, what a, what a tragedy. Uh, Terrell, what a, in terms of the addiction itself, why is it so hard to, to, to physically beat it? Do you think? Uh, well, there's a number of reasons, but um, because you're addicted to that feeling and you, you don't have access, like I'm going to say, like at that time, I didn't have access to counseling or other parts of treatment that was needed for me to address that issue. Um, when we look at the overdose rates now and all these people dying, you look at how many people are leaving treatment right. and overdosing when they come out. This is where the issue comes between harm reduction and absence-based treatment programs. Right. Because harm reduction is not, really not fully accepted in, in the United States because they say we enable people. But we don't enable people. We're keeping people alive. 
Okay, and by harm reduction, by you're talking about reducing harm, which reducing harm, which is by giving giving out free needles, needles right. which mm -hmm. was done originally to stem the stem exactly. the rising number of AIDS exactly. cases right. and HIV cases. Which right. have it's been very effective in that. Yeah. But I have to tell you, with it, we've done stories mm -hmm. on the on the needle needle programs. Mm -hmm. The needles, there's a lot of needles that are being given out there. Right. And there's a lot of needles that are on the streets. And some of the groups, to their credit, have volunteers and, and they come out and they clean them. They clean them up, but right. we went into a children's playground. The, mm -hmm. the safe disposal boxes were right. ripped off the wall yep. by people suffering from addiction right. yep. who wanted to get the needles, the used needles, from inside those boxes. Mm -hmm. So how does that help people? Because we don't have the resources that a lot of other drug treatment programs have. We, don't, we, don't, we can't be out there 24-7 because we don't have the resources and the money. Like Oasis, which is one of the biggest licensed drug treatment programs, which inherits money every year. But right. when it comes to harm reduction, the limited funding that we get, we have to stress that out. But how does that help? How does that help? So, and let me just, let me pose this question okay. too, because I'm all for doing whatever we can do to save as many lives as possible, right. always. But the question I have is, when you have a drug now, and back in the day, as mm -hmm. you know, there were people that were 50, 60 years old that have been addicted to heroin for decades. Right. Were still function. Some of them still functioning with jobs and mm -hmm. yeah. families and that whole thing. It's a whole different ball game with with fentanyl. Right. So my question is, if you know that the vast majority of these overdose deaths now are coming because of fentanyl in heroin, why are we giving people needles to use something that could quite possibly kill them? Right, so we That's have, what I don't understand. Right, so we have fentanyl test strips that we also give people too to right. let them test their drugs to make sure if there's fentanyl present. It doesn't tell the potency, but understand this fact here, Lisa, that people need to understand. If you are a heroin user, you just spend your last $10 and you're sick, you want to get off that sickness because you need... To, but see, that's the but see that's the that's the big issue, and I and I understand where Lisa is coming from because with the hospital where I work in Brooklyn, people do bring the needles to the emergency right. room so that way we could dispose uh, of dispose them properly dispose them. Right, exactly. So here's the thing: I think the reason, part of the reason why, and I could be wrong, and I, and I'm not discrediting your experience. I'm learning from you as we speak because in my head so I'm like, I, and so you know, how can no, I, think I we as all an are, ER physician I, right. to you know help with this issue? But I think part of the reason why it's harder for people to get off of these opiates for one, fentanyl is 50 to 100 times potent, more so than any other opiate. Um, and, and it's skyrocketed and it's in terms skyrocketed. of its, how much is right. in the city right now. Exactly, and it also depends on how much was used, how long, right? how quickly it gets into the system, right. right? And so, and the after effects of it. So even with naloxone, naloxone what we use in, right. in the emergency department, sometimes that don't even work. Sometimes that we exhaust. It's not strong right. enough. You use more. It's well, not strong enough. It depends on the potency of the fentanyl. The potency of the, the fentanyl. fentanyl. And Which is hard to tell. run out of it in the right. emergency because that's how strong it is. And another thing right. too, um, a lot of, there are rehab programs. If you don't have the money or like very good insurance, it's going to be very difficult for and people to And very good programs because some of those programs night. have been scams too but, but let me come back to the cult, the, the mm -hmm. whole culture because it, and it's also of course we're focusing on the streets because it's street soldiers but it's also this is a yeah. problem too that affects people in all levels of society right. all races all economic classes but again you know your resources to beat that problem or solve that problem a lot of times depend on your zip code we right. all know that yep. but Correct. the fact of the matter is you look at look at former Disney star Demi Lovato yeah. there you know mm -hmm. she took these allegedly took these drugs the man who, who is her friend 
friend who sounded more like her, her dealer to her me dealer. said, hey, I told her they were strong. I gave them to her. I told her they, you know, it was extra strong. And she came within probably inches of, of, lo- of no, losing no, her no, life. life. Mac Miller with the start started on lean, Bless which, him. you know, in the in, in the music industry is that's that's like the starter drug for, yeah. for a lot for a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. What do you think about how the music industry handles the, the drug issue? Um. I just think promoting... Making it look cool. I, yeah, I think promoting getting high to these kids is at an all-time high. There was a time where promoting drugs in our music wasn't cool, and today is like... It's, it's the coolest it's, thing. It's almost a requirement. Right. You know? Yep. Like, like, like if, if... Everybody's if not, moving weight. If Everybody's... Not, right. If you're not talking about getting high or popping a perk or sipping I some doubt. lean right. or, or, or you're not talking about, you know... Certain things you're not, your music is not getting played and yep. you're not considered cool. And right. you know, these labels, the DJs, the producers, they're all for it. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And another thing, too, Lisa, would be um, another drug <laughs> that is, bu- is bu- purchased over the counter is Imodium AD, mm. which is an opiate. It's an anti diarrhea. Imodium is an opiate. Yeah, and right. over for the past couple of years, there's been an increase of abuse in Imodium AD. Let me t- let me take advantage of of us having you here with your me- your medical experience. When you have these 10, 11, 12 year olds that are overdosing that come into the emergency room, what have they taken? Is there any? Is it K two? Are they taking Molly, Percocets, Percocets, mainly Molly and Percocets, Molly and Percocets, Which Molly and Percocets. Like in Staten Island, eighteen percent decrease in overdoses within the last year. In the Bronx, you have a. Uh, 93% increase. And why is that? Because of funding. Yep. Let's not count down methadone. You know what I'm saying? Because we're not getting the resources and the help that's not now. I getting. absolutely agree. I totally agree. But what that, kind of what kind of help would it be? Because there's a listen. You go up Morris Avenue right. towards 161st Street. Right. I go anywhere around the hub. There's a, like five, six, seven. Out, uh, I don't know what they're called. Outpatient facilities outpatient. where pe- people are getting methadone, where they're getting. Okay. Right. You know, whatever other yeah, other right. support they can get. Methadone. Right. But what but about again, that? Like I'm saying, people have to find the right treatment for them. And is that being offered to people? Is this information being given to the community? But what about I, some I, people say, is, like, why not just why? Why are we not giving the message? You know, especially especially to the kids. Why are we not getting the message like, listen, don't even start this, because if you start this, especially with what's out there right now, it, your first time trying it could be your last time. But that's one of the hardest conversations to have in America today when it comes to right. Well, we're having it right now, right, right. here on and Street that, Soldiers. That's what I'm saying, because, and you're absolutely right that these conversations need to start in school. We, as harm reduction, wanted to go into schools and talk about drug use. Stuff I remember like the Guardian that. Angels. And they, and they wouldn't let us. No, I was going to say that. School. Conversations no, totally. have been yeah. conversations have been being had right. for years. Yep. It's not you know it's just so easy to get their hands on these days. It's just much easier you than can purchase way back it over the we internet. You can you get on the internet. And even as you stated, as Tony stated, the hip hop community with their reflection on the drug use, how cool it is. How but it's not play? just hip hop. No, 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 I'm just using that. No, no, it's rock and roll. So part of the culture. So if you're a 12 year old or a 10 year old that knows hip hop gets attacked a lot. Hip hop gets attacked a lot, and I'm I I love hip hop. I I was 
born and I raised in the South too. Bronx. We live we love hip hop too. I, right. I was born and raised in the South Bronx. Was so that, was I. Born in the height of the crack epidemic and you know things like that. And 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 to be honest with you, hip hop has always been attacked. And this is where stigmatism and stereotypes come in. You understand what I'm saying? Where that has always been that the black and brown people has been criminalized for even drug with the intent to use. Right. And so it's not just hip hop. It's all forms of genre of music to right. even you know uh, to act. Right. All right, but and, and that's key. But let, let me come back to the to the treatment methods and what what's being yeah. talked about. And, and Terrell, right. in terms of what, the work that you so that you do, what's being pushed right come now? To, right. So what's being pushed right now is absent-based programs to people. Absent-based program is not for everyone, mm. and even absent-based like what we would call cold turkey. Cold turkey. Okay. Absent-based, which I mean, like. It's like Here no sex, you have right? an individual, That's how 18, I 18 years using What's drugs, that? going to a program, have all of these issues, homeless and all that. So when he come out to the program, he still faces the same issues. How did they help him? Mm. The fact of the matter is that you have to make treatment compatible for what people's issues are. You need to address the issues of why people are using. And sometimes... Even using drugs and being homeless is not the issue. It could be medical. It could be financial. It's a whole lot of range that needs to be addressed for people. I agree. So how do you decide what's the first issue? Because, I interviewed uh, a guy in the hub right okay, near, so right you near there. Okay, so need to sit down and talk to this He and his wife right? were but both, people also both have told to be me. Willing to talk right. too. People but they, people I wanted but to say but that. I just not that I disagreed. Do. Not that I disagree with mm -hmm. what you were saying, but you know, I learned that there's choices. People have to be willing right. to accept the exactly. help. So right. People have to be willing to What about personal responsibility? Right. Where does that come right. in? So this, where is where, that come so this is where, like I'm saying, where we work with former current drug users, the peer network, because we can identify with the individuals. And it's easy for them to come talk to us about their issues. For us to identify, we've been there. This is where we're at in our life today. You have choices that you can make. And, and we work with these individuals. Not everybody's going to be successful, but you have people that will be successful if you help and guide them. Don't sit there and ridicule them. Don't sit there and pass judgment on but them. No, but there's no. But we're just trying to understand. Just trying to understand. But but the most important thing there's an increased need for mental health no, services. services. So the period, thing is, even period. in the jails, mental health and substance abuse goes hand in hand. It's, and, and, and just because somebody is schizophrenic or bipolar doesn't mean they abuse drugs right. either. But mental substance abuse is a part of mental health. And there's an increased need for mental health services where in certain communities, depending on where you live, the zip code and everything are That's lacking. Right. That's right. But going back to what Tony said, going back to even what even some of my own family members, they've taken that personal responsibility right. and realized that I need help. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. Remember that commercial right. from back in the day? Right. They used to be on television? Sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, and nothing they took changes. That very well point. They have to make that decision. We cannot make that decision for people, but we are there for them when they make that decision, Lisa. I can't sit there and tell you, oh, you need to go into a rehab because I feel that you have a drug problem. No, you have to recognize and take responsibility to understand that, that you a have fact. a problem. And you can say, and you can kind of like say, okay, we're going to talk about how yeah. that, what that looks like, what the salute, what solutions right. look like when we come back. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Rhapsody, and you're listening to Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers, where we talk about power, but also push for peace. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about overcoming addiction, and we have a great panel to discuss it. Joining me is Terrell Jones. He's the co-chair of the Peer Network New York. They provide support to current and former drug users. Terrell, great to have you with Thank us. You. 
Thank you so much. Also with us is Dr. Arabia Millette. She's an emergency room physician in Brooklyn. She deals with a lot of life-saving emergencies as, as well as many drug overdose Ow. cases. Dr. Millette, thank you so much for thank being you. with us. Thank you. I love Tony it. right now. Uh, all right. I'm glad. I'm glad it's all, everyone's happy. Um, Tony Sunshine is with us. He's an artist. He's three years sober, and he's also yes. working on new music. Tony, great to have you with us. Pleasure. We really appreciate it. Yes. What actually made you get, what actually made you get clean and stay clean for three years? Um, Honestly. Just, just being sick and tired and, 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 and knowing that I have responsibilities. I have children that are watching, you know, whether I think they are or not. Right. Their children are not dumb these days. They're smarter than we think. Yep. Not only that, just, you know, um, family period overall i just knew that i was in a bad place and i just knew that if i wanted to live i had to make a change i had to do something different so you know i took the initiative and i had to i had to man up and take care of it like i said i went to to, to so many different facilities and so many different places and nothing helped me so ultimately i had to lock myself in a hotel room for a month and a half by myself with just water and a couple of pieces of bread and fight it out and do it that way if I wanted to live because replacement drugs weren't for me. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that can cope with replacement drugs. Replacement drugs is not for everybody. Right. You're talking about methadone, so, and, methadone and what's the other one they give people? Suboxone. 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 You know, whatever, works, whatever works for anybody else, I'm, I, I will never, you know, kick anybody while they down or, or, or right. none of that. But I'm, I, for me personally, I felt if I was going to do it, I had to do it the right what way. What would you do if one of your children, you found one of your children was using? Oh, it, w it would break my heart. It would hurt me. But, you know, through my experiences, I believe that I would be able to help them and hopefully and hopefully they would want to listen because, you know, like I said, it's choices mm -hmm. and the approach, the way you approach someone is 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 so is so important, you know, especially with children. Right. right. So and how you I don't want my I don't want my kids to ever turn around and be like, well, you did it. Well, you was doing it. And, right. you know, so the approach and how you approach them and how you deliver the message and how you show them is very different. It's you know like here's I mean? choice A, here's choice B. If you take choice B, yeah. this is what's gonna gonna happen to you, right. Dr. Millett, in, in terms of the, the the bringing people back, there's naloxone, which we we heard about, Narcan, and then with fentanyl, with so many of these overdoses involving fentanyl, even with K2 being laced with fentanyl, oh. now we're told oh. even it's, marijuana, even even, even marijuana. marijuana, exactly. Everybody you believe that? Because there's a little yeah. bit of debate about oh, yeah. that. You've it seen is. that. I'm on the streets every day. I know. That's why I'm asking yeah. you. I, I, Even when people yeah. come to the emergency room, I, I'll ask them, and they'll tell me. A lot of people are very honest. Yes. A lot of people are very honest. I'll ask them, like, what did you use? Once they recover or, you know, we right. resuscitate and they're able to speak with me. And they'll tell me, listen, I shot some heroin or I took Molly and Percocet or I did K2 and it was laced with fentanyl. They're very honest. And I'm, and I'm grateful for that because then it helps me to manage them from the medical perspective and from the psychological perspective, because this is now I have to bump it up, meaning that I have to call psychiatry, the psychiatry team to also get involved. So I go above and beyond. To get them some mental to health support. To get them some mental health. It's which, not is just, which is fantastic. I, but let me ask you this, mm -hmm. in terms of, it, so, so you have the Narcan, you have the Naloxone, but you're saying sometimes that doesn't work on people. It's, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I, 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 the bed around Flushing and Broadway is known for K2 Capital. Right. Mm. And there was at, where I worked at in Brooklyn at that time at this particular hospital, we actually ran out of Narcan, Nal Naloxone in the emergency department because wow. we the amount of cases that came in 
12 hours, 14 hours, going in 24 hours to 72 hours straight. You couldn't even get a we shipment couldn't even in get, time. We couldn't even get, we didn't have enough. And to the point where that we, it, not that it wasn't working, it did work for some cases, but again, it goes by how much the person had used, how for how long it has been used. Also certain risk factors, what are their past medical history, if they have certain diseases and things like that. So it's, it's been exhausting. And I mean, I've, I have to give it by nebulizer, look like, like as if an asthma treatment. Um, which I had to teach. I and taught the nurses in it. The respiratory system, right? Right. So the thing is, there's a difference. So you could give it. You could give Narcan um, by IV, or you could give it um, by intranasal. Well, right, intranasally. So we will put the mask like how you you seen people with asthma, right? So right. sometimes they put the treatment inside the little tube and they put the mask on. Right. I had to talk, the I taught the nurses right. how to use it in that way yeah. because sometimes if you give it as IV to a, to a patient that overdosed on heroin, they could wake up extremely violent and attack you. Right. So I have to be really careful yeah. and protect myself. You have to know what... Of course. So you're worried about your safety, too. Of course. I'm worried about my safety because there's been cases where patients I've, I've given or I have the nurse out. given and they're black out and they woke up and they became extremely violent and not aware of their, of their environment. So I have to put them down again and give a benzo in order for me to protect them and protect me and protect the staff. And also cases where where what you call drug seeking patients. Right. People have tried to attack doctors for not giving attack. them drugs. As a matter of fact, the most recent case, a doctor was shot to death because a, a doctor in Indiana was shot to death, shot and killed by get it. Uh, by a person, by this particular person. His name was Doc, it's, it's all over the papers. Right. His name is Dr. John Graham in Indiana. He was shot to death by a, uh, by uh, this assailant. His name was Michael Jarvis because the doctor refused to provide a prescription for opiates to his wife. He came to the clinic. That's co so crazy. Right. And, and approached just, the that's doctor how, that's and how desperate him. this guy was. We don't that's, talk about this in the news. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. You know how many times I've been verbally assaulted? Not physically assaulted because I'm not a handle myself. But they myself. verbally but threaten you like verbally if you don't give me, me that. Because, right, exactly. Oh so God, a number of nurses have been attacked. That's how you say it? Desperate? Desperate. It's the really ugly side of addiction. Can I mention, Lisa, to be honest with you, and it's another thing that is not talked about often in the news, too. well, in media as well, is that, you know, I know that we talked about doctors over-prescribing Percocet. So, right. you know, other opiates. And I understand that. However, going back to the hospital surveys and the reason why I mention that, there are some, some hospitals throughout the United States that actually enforces hospital service. So meaning that if the patient is not satisfied with the doctor not prescribing them or giving them a certain uh, opiate it's in like the emergency It's like a customer service service. Customer service. And, and they'll, they'll so complain against Dr. the doctor. So your Dr. Evers, he's Dr. Tony Sunshine, right? Right. And, and Dr. Terrell Jones. And Dr. Yeah. Terrell Jones. All three of you are known to give, you know, have great patient satisfaction right. scores where you, you know, may give a, a patient here and there Percocet, ha um, sorry, not heroin, excuse me, morphine or dilaudid. Me, because I'm, a, I'm not that I'm against giving opiates, depending on the reason, but because of the fact that I know that giving the opiates at that particular instance is not what's going to best suit them, right. I get a low score and it may cost me my job. Mm -hmm. Right. You understand? And this happened to a colleague of mine who a patient has a known drug-seeking uh, behavior. She came, this happened in Miami to a colleague of mine. A patient came to the emergency room. Everybody from the hospital on down know that this patient has a drug, has drug-seeking behavior, has been right. shopping at different hospitals, different pharmacies. And because my friend, my colleague, refused to give her dilaudid 
the hospital fired her. Oh, that's terrible. Wow. All right, that, that's that, that's a whole other issue of it. But which that's another contributes aspect, to the opiate which contributes crisis. to the problem. But there's that's also been, there's there's also been a lot of crackdowns on prescriptions. There's been a lot a lot of crackdowns in terms of doctors' ability to give them out to people. And there's there's a whole that's really like been going on. Right, I think, I'm limited to give too. you a certain amount. Right, exactly. But you have, I mean, you have to either be hospitalized. You, it has to be something so detrimental, like that needs to you need to have. It needs pain to be control. like an emer- it urgent thing. It has to be emergent. Okay, I'm yeah. up against the clock here. I yeah. want to I want to get Terrell in here. Terrell, in an ideal world, where in the South Bronx, where you are, if you had all of the resources that you could possibly, you know, that you could possibly want, what would that look like? Harm reduction. And why I say that is because we are coming at individuals with non-judgmental, we're having people, this is client-centric treatment, where we're addressing the immediate concern of the individual. Like I said, the drugs may not be the problem. It could be that I don't have housing, Mm -hmm. that I don't have medical care, I um, have lack of education or whatever. We need to address the immediate issues of individuals. That's what the problem is. We're not doing that. When you when you go and I'm like supportive, how right, what they would call right. support. So I'm what grateful they call that support. we have a doctor here that's very supportive of the community. But right. you also have a lot of people that are not supportive. Of the community. You have a lot of professional doctors that when you go into their office, the first thing they want to do is address your drug problem, but they don't want to address the broken arm or the broken toe or whatever. I thank the Lord God that every time that I minister this, we brought the person back. I think the history that we have that we only had one person die from this because we got there too late. Right. 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 Well, ti- ti- timing, timing, timing is, is everything. Which, right. Timing is everything. And this is when indiv- this right. individual went somewhere where um, people don't recognize, you know, the overdose, the turning blue, the breathing, and all of that stuff. Especially in the subways. You yeah. see a lot of, it, right. you know, it don't bypass. If you see somebody that appears to be sleeping in the streets on the right. subway, they breathing. may not be sleeping. Yeah. They may call, not be sleeping. They actually, you need and to call And also, we're, we're going to end on that. We're going to end on that note because we're just about out of time. Yes, if you see someone that looks like they're passed out or drunk or, you know, whatever, or just sleeping, they may actually be going through an overdose. And New York State has the 911 Good Samaritan Law. You can call 911 if you if somebody is in that situation, call for help. Mm-hmm. You don't have to give your name, and you will not be prosecuted if there are still drugs, uh, you know, drugs on that person as they're Correct. being revived or, or whatever. If it happens to be a friend or family member or somebody that you're close to, it's happened at workplaces, it's happened in restaurants, it's happened all over the place. But I want to thank you all for being with us mm-hmm. for this episode of Street Soldiers. Bless. We appreciate Bless. it. Terrell Jones, co-chair of the Peer Network of New York, thank you so much for being mm-hmm. with us. Dr. Arabia Millette, emergency room physician, thank you so much for thank being you. with us. And Tony Sunshine, thank you so much. We really thank appreciate you. it. Yeah. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Let's push for peace.